Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Deborah. Before the podcast, I just wanted to let you know that this Friday night on BBC Two, I'm on Inside Culture with Mary Beard talking about laughter. Check it out at 7.30pm or you can watch it on iPlayer. Also, we have postponed our Australian New Zealand tour due to COVID-19, but we have the new dates now, which is terribly, terribly exciting. So thanks to everybody who's booked. Hold on to your tickets if you can and come and see us in your town on the following dates. The 13th of July next year, we will be in Adelaide. On the 15th, we'll be in Perth. On the 17th, we'll be in Canberra. On the 19th, we'll be in Brisbane. And on the 20th, we'll be in Melbourne. Then we will go to Christchurch in New Zealand on the 22nd, Auckland on the 23rd, Wellington on the 24th and Sydney on the 27th. There's only one show in each town. So get in now and get those tickets because I really do think by July, please feminism and science and God, if there is one, it will happen in July. So get your tickets now or your tickets will be carried over if you already have them. Check in with your local box office. If you'd like your money back, you can have it all refunded bar the booking fee, I think, uh, in most venues. So just get in touch and ask for your money back from the dates if you need that money back now, which is totally understandable. But hold on if you can, because July is going to be really fabulous. And because they've been postponed, we're going to make them even more spectacular. They're in big venues and it's going to be very, very exciting. So please, 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 please come along. I can't wait to be back with you, Australia, New Zealand. You're some of my favourite shows in the whole world and I can't wait to be giving you all a big hug. In the meantime, if you're in the UK, watch out for our shows, new dates coming up on guiltyfeminist.com. And now onto the podcast. I'm a feminist, but recently I said out loud, why does confidence turn up just as collagen is leaving the building? <laughs> I'm speaking in terms of my lifespan, a load of women were talking and we were going, yeah, you're not at all confident until you're over 30, then you hit more confidence when you're in your 40s. Other women were saying it goes on and on. And I'm like, but as the co- just as I'm fully feeling myself, I'm like, yeah, fucking I can sell it. Yeah, sure. Looking lang as. <laughs> the collagen just drains. Is it, uh, is it, is it, is it, is, is it? it that young people are given collagen because they don't have confidence? And actually, you can tell somebody's confidence by the lack of, because you can either have either or. 
Do you see what I mean by this? I'm not sure that's how making a child works. Um, I don't think it's optional at birth that you get confidence or collagen. I don't think... No, I don't mean that. I mean, when you're young, you have loads of collagen to make up for the fact that you're not confident or competent. But as your (laughs) confidence and competence increases during your 30s and 40s, collagen says, hey... Confidence and competence is doing the heavy lifting here. I'm out. And it go and it maybe it seeps out of your body and throws itself into the face of a passing baby. I what I heard from that was fuck you audience. That's what I heard from Deb. Just saying none of you are confident. You're beautiful because you're insecure. That's what I heard. I look, I don't know. Look, some young people are confident now. That some young people, if you're young and confident, if you're under 30 and confident, just give me a cheer. Okay, if you're under 30, under 30 and you would like more confidence, give me a cheer. See? Now, if you are over 40 and you've never felt more confident in your life, cheer now. If you're over 40 and you have less confidence than you did at 35, cheer now. That was the same person. Less confidence did at 35. How can you both be most confident you've ever been and also have less confidence that you did at 35? Are you slightly drunk? Or are you Benjamin Button? That's true. I'm definitely Benjamin Button. I found some old photos the other day that I was sending to some friends of, oh, remember when we did this back in the day and we, you know, done a trip together and we did this and this and this. And I looked so middle-aged when I was 25. What was I thinking with my hair? I wore dowdy scarves. I used to wear a twin set and pearls. But, Deb, you also come out of being a Jehovah's Witness. I so, know. like, you... It took me ages to shrug off the cult. Yeah, a cult really will put a damper on your fashion edge. It really... Oh, my God. We, were, we had to look dowdy. We'd get told off if we didn't look dowdy enough. I just could never be a Jehovah's Witness for that fact, you know. I'd just be in trouble all the time. <laughs> P.S. I literally have never worn a coat or a shirt just over my shoulders. Like, that is the confidence of rich people. That is not... That is it's not true. Yeah. If you don't, If you can't be bothered to put your arms through the coat, you're wealthy. Yeah. That's true. It's, and more than, more than that, born to money. Yeah, you're born to money. Yeah. Yeah. New, if you're new money, you put your arms through the coat because you think someone might steal it. Exactly. Yeah. I, any money I've got is more of a recent thing. You know, when I was young, Jehovah's Witness, very, very broke... And so I've really kind of tried to work hard and, you know, all that kind of thing. So I would never just drape a cashmere coat no. over my shoulders and walk down the street because I would assume I would drop it in some mud and then cry for a week. Or yeah. someone would just go by on a skateboard and take it with them. Also, the jacket that I'm wearing probably has all the cash that I own in the pocket. A hundy pee. A hundy pee. Hundy pee, as hundy. we talked before. Look at it, just yeeting it out there. Just... <laughs> Um, Great use of the word yeet. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's good to use... When you've just learned a word, it's good to use it a few times. (laughs) If you're learning a foreign language and you heard use it a few times, yeet. So we should use yeet as much as possible in the show tonight. Oh, God, this is going to come before the bit where we talk about yeet, though, so this is fucked. Uh, (laughs) We should just always do this part first because this always happens in the edit. We do a bit of warm-up, then we do this, then we put this at the top. And then we've got callbacks all the way through the show that none of the listeners at home understand. (laughs) It happens. It but happens. also, fuck them, you know? If you can't be here, you don't get the joke. <laughs> or, but these people are at home and they're saying, clap, clap, clap. Ha ha, love that so much. Does anyone else say the words along with Debs or just me? 
And then someone said every time, love that, hey, hey. Oh, so undermine them. Do you say it with me? Oh, that's I nice. do. I still do. Do you? I, backstage, I went, undermine them. <laughs> always, always do that. Yeah. If I need to prove I am who I say I am, like on a cameo or something. That sounded like an Eminem song. Eminem was a rapper back in... Does anyone know that song? I am whatever you say I am. If I wasn't, then why would I say it? Eminem was very good in 1999, okay? He was actually very good. And The Marshall Mathers was quite an excellent album. Anyway. Do an I'm a Feminist Bop flick. Okay. Um, I'm a feminist, but I absolutely stand with the NHS and with all lockdown measures and all safety measures whatsoever. But... <laughs> the masks really fuck with my lip liner and the hand sanitizer is making my skin like leather so I'm just saying <laughs> like can we get Delta over with <laughs> because like my lip liner can't take it oh yeah you get it I do I wear a bold lip too I very rarely wear a nude lip like and then tonight, it comes off on the mask and I, it smears. I and looked. I went into the mirror to put some lippy on before I came out here, and I was like, I had lipstick everywhere, and I thought it was the mask. It wasn't. I'd just been really going at a kimchi burger earlier on, <laughs> so who knows how long I'd just been walking around with? Like, I probably look like a dirty slut, just lippy everywhere, just a bit sweaty, going, "Where's the stage?" It's like, what has she been up to? What kind of podcast festival is this? I'm a feminist, but when I found out that the new Sex and the City would feature Carrie Bradshaw as a podcaster, I thought, bitch nicked my job. Can I have her shoes? (laughs) Or can you get a cameo in season two? Oh, good idea. Yeah, you don't need to bring other women down, Deb. I go over there and they're like, oh, the guilty feminist, blah, 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 blah. Yes. They would 100% have the guilty feminist on Sex and the City. They are guilty feminists. Okay, I'm a feminist, but I am really nervous of how I would look on screen next to Sarah Jessica Parker (laughs) and her incredibly emaciated friends. I feel like, uh, and I don't want to be, like, I, I know I'm sorry, I've been socially conditioned and I try and get myself out of it, but I am just a very tall woman with very broad shoulders and it's true standing in front of a boy (laughs) it's true that I can dwarf a national monument in a photograph so I feel like I've stood next to the Eiffel Tower and thought it's making me look big and I don't really want to stand next to SJP but also SJP if you're listening uh, can we do some clever photography so you're in the foreground and can I be in your show yes please I love you when I said bitch makes my job that was a compliment absolutely also you know we were talking about collagen but you mentioned collagen before may I say that one of the very good upsides of putting on four dress sizes which I have done since I've had a baby I've been a size six my entire life now I'm a 14 all of my wrinkles are gone it is fabulous absolute I cannot recommend a little bit of weight gain if you want to just iron out the lines beautiful stuff I'm 41 in two weeks thank you that I mean it felt like I really had to fish for that one but I don't mind we'll edit that out I'm a feminist, but a friend of mine was showing me his dating profile the other day and showing me the pictures. So Is I that a euphemism? <laughs> no. Show I was... us your dating profile. <laughs> 
no, it's in I your was, inbox. I was doing I was doing a consultation. A friend of mine from uni split up with his girl, long term girlfriend, has gone back out on the sites and was showing his pictures. And I said, "You look different from this." I was like, "Your photos." And this is absolutely no judgment. I've been all of the weights and I've looked different at all of the different weights and sexy at all of the different weights. This is no, but, I, but, but he doesn't look representative to his photos because he looks heavier in his photos than in real life. And he went, oh yeah, I've lost two stones since I took all these photos, but I've just put them up on the dating side. And I went, what? But why, why are you not putting up photos of you now? And he went, I just trust women to see past my weight. <gasps> what an idiot. <laughs> No, it's more that a woman would never think that because we've been socially conditioned to think that smaller is better and take up less space is better. So if we have lost weight, even if for any reason, we think put those contemporary pictures up right. It was so interesting to me. He just went, women don't care about that. Mm. Men care about that. Women don't care about that. Now, that is a bit of a Venus Mars. I should probably not put this in the podcast, should I? Will people complain if I say this? But I was just fascinated by it. That he was like... Imagine having the confidence to do a reverse catfish. (laughs) Do the flip in reverse. But but it's actually... It's not heavier because different people look good heavier, if I'm honest. I think... You know, there have been times in my life where I've looked really Joan from Mad Men and I've very sold it. And probably, I know, to many people look sexier than when I was more Joan from Mad Men than I am now. When Mad Men was a TV show from the early 2000s. Oh, no. Oh, no. I oh, yes. Died. This um, fucking thing. Recognise me. You... How do you not know me? Is, this, is My phone's having an affair. There's no other explanation. Does anyone, like, do you love when you see your parents and they've got mum text? You know the text that's like 65 font? <laughs> And you're like, mate, the people in the next car can read. That text is disgusting. Um, <laughs> this, I think, is going to be taken badly. Um, Try it anyway. I think it's going to come across as mean. I'm a feminist, but I think Lady Gaga looks weird with all the shit she's put in her face. I'm sorry. She looks very... What what she put in her face? She like, got stuff in her cheeks. She's got uh, stuff in her lips. She's so talented. And I just look at her and I'm going, are you going to float away? Because your face is getting... Is I, that mean? I, a little bit. But also true? <laughs> I, yeah, I wish we didn't feel we had to change our faces as a community. Yeah. Surgically. Also, I would like my old jawline back. So, if I had as much money and fame and catwalky, you know, rather red carpet opportunities, Lady Gaga, I, I can't promise I wouldn't put a wedge in my jawline. Can't promise. I can't. I've, I haven't got that kind of money or time. I did. I was speaking to a. Excuse me. That's just an open burp. I'm just burping. <laughs> I can't, I've never been able to drink soft drink for that reason. Shouldn't do it on microphones, but fortunately I have very little respect for you. So I, I was speaking to another comic recently and she's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get Botox in a couple of years. And she's like one of the alternative girls. She's like me. And I know, I don't know why I feel ownership over people that have, like I don't have Botox, I don't have anything like, I know. Um, can you believe it? And uh, again, a couple of extra pounds. Um, uh, I don't fit any of my belts, but that is beside the point. Uh, but I, I still, there's still a bit of me that is shocked by it and that I just think, but we're, your body is so amazing. 
Your body is so amazing. Like, I don't mean to be one of those people, but I gave birth to a fucking person. Like, my body built a, a person from a fucking cell. From a cell. And I'm like, oh, I wish you weren't so flabby. Oh, I'll put some more in my lips. That's insane. Your body can make a fucking person. And you're like, not good enough. <laughs> Actually, your cheeks are sad. Like, I just, oh. I, I get it because we have been conditioned. I know that we've been conditioned. For years and years, I know that physical beauty is still, by and large, women's currency. That that is part of capitalism, that is part of the patriarchy, but and I know that we fall victim for good reasons, but also when I see 22-year-olds at the back of a bus who are a, a cabin crew for EasyJet, and they're like, yeah, I'm getting my lips done more next week. I'm like, you're 22, bad news. This is the best you get. <laughs> this is the best you get. Like, do it now and do the touch-ups when it gets bad. <laughs> don't do it while it's good because the come down is... It, don't take MDMA two at once. Pace yourself, you know? Because the come down will be rough. There is not enough Netflix in the world that can ease you through three MDMA, you know? Like, if you do, if you ease you and you've got some juice waiting for you at the end and, like, a banana and a power drink, that will help ease you into the latter years. But don't... I'm just... I've just realised... Uh, Are you're on MDMA? No. <laughs> we've got to bring our guest on quite soon. Oh. So I'm going to say... <laughs> we haven't even done all of our... You I know, response. I know. We've got to do our stand-up as well. So I'm going to economically say, I'm a feminist. Oh. No, you're right. You're right, though. You're right. I feel the same way. Um, Usually I get a round of applause for that kind of thing. No, don't. Uh, you're patronising me now. I've been begging you all show. You haven't turned up. <laughs> I think you're doing great. I think you're doing great. I don't. This generation has been coddled by their parents. No, I'm joking. I love this generation. I'm going to give you a participation certificate as you leave. <laughs> I absolutely love Gen Z. I love them. I love them. I love them. They're that not all, half of the, most of these people aren't Gen Z. Just you give us a cheer if you're Gen Z? Woo! Give us a cheer if you're a millennial? Woo! Give us a cheer if you're Gen X? Yeah! Gen X? Where are my people? So sad. What a sad... Don't wave. You're in the dark. Cheer. See, that's a Gen X education. Any, we didn't, any, we didn't have the schooling. Boomers? Any boomers in? Dave. Oh. Dave, are you a boomer? Dave, are you a boomer? Yeah, I think you're, yeah, you're a cuspy boomer. I actually think from 60 to 65 is the nameless generation. There is five oh. years that do not have a generation. So you're floating out in space, Dave. You're... How many properties do you own, Dave? <laughs> Just the one. How's that going? It's good? Imagine. Imagine owning a property. Sounds cute, doesn't it? Just quick, Quezzy. Is it in London, Dave? It is. Yeah, good, good, good. Have you had it valued recently, Dave, or...? Dave, do you own a house or a flat? Yeah. Are you thinking what, about so a sea I'm change just, soon, Dave? I'm going to need a zone and a postcode. <laughs> oh, you know say. Does it start with a W, Dave? <laughs> Can you please give me the postcode? 
Not the full one, because people will find you. And oh, there's a... <laughs> they will hunt you down. Gen Z are very activated. <laughs> so they are, they are motivated. They're connected. Yeah. If um, they want to cancel you, they will with a fire. Just, just the first three letters, Dave. E-N. E-N. Enfield. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> No one's gonna. No one's gonna take revenge for you living in Enfield, no, my friend. No, you've lived there a long time, Dave. You lived there when it was a shithole. Good for you. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being from a shithole, by the way. That is not a class judgment. We were talking about the Athena um, was and I were talking about that we should save the last true shitholes of London. For example, Ponder's End, right near Enfield, an absolute classic shithole. Really grim, lovely stuff. It'll be gentrified by Friday. Um, if I know London and if I do. Dave has anything to do with it. Yeah. Poor Dave. How's, how's the coffee in Enfield now, Dave? I'm, I'm just Poor pretending. Dave. Dave I has come here in good faith. And With all of his he, money. Dave has sat at the back in order not to be ridiculed, and it hasn't worked out for him at all. Poor Dave. Dave, Poor we love Dave. you. We do. Yeah. Kind of. Um, uh, somebody, Leslie uh, is saying here on the live feed, Boomer in Toronto. Hello, Boomer in Toronto. Gen X, I think. That's the most Gen X answer. Gen Gen X, X, I think. Gen X, we overthink everything, Gen X. Uh, But do nothing. Uh, Hey, Claire, I'm 20 miles down the road in Bridgend. Well, you could have made the trip. Uh, Okay, all right. I'm a feminist, but sometimes I look forward to being an old woman so I can withdraw from the race. I want to be in the game as long as possible, but also what a relief to just be a spectator, hey? I think about it all the time. I think... I, I, I don't, I never want to get to that point. Like my mum sometimes says she catches sight of herself in an unexpected mirror or shop window and goes, oh, there's an old lady. <gasps> yeah. It's me. <laughs> and I am scared of that because it's an identity thing and it's a, you know, how we're socially conditioned, blah, 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 patriarchy, patriarchy, yada, 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 you know the story. But I also do, it's only happened lately. A few times I've thought, it's a kind of a promised land, though, isn't it? Can you imagine just walking down the street and not hoping anybody sexualizes you? Just go, I'm done with you. I don't give a fuck. I can play by my own rules now. I can tell you exactly what I fucking think. I don't need you to employ me. I don't need you to want to fuck me. I don't need you to want to be my friend. I need nothing from you. And I will stand here with wrinkles on my face, topless in this shopping center. <laughs> Imagine that. Imagine that. And yes, I will leave now you've insisted and called the police. But I still don't really care. Oh. Live from King's Place in London from the London Podcast Festival. The Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White. Guest goes for the award of our very special guest, Mari Ellen Jones. Talking about a hat. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists, our proxies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Felicity Ward, and we are talking about hags. Hi, everybody. Felicity, have you? 
bag out like someone might steal it backstage. I don't trust people. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. No, I didn't. I didn't know what people were doing with their handbag. And I said to your friend and mine, Tom Solinsky, yeah. uh, I said, "What are we doing with a handbag?" And he said, "Up to you." And I was like, "Well, that doesn't sound like it's going to be protected." So <laughs> I am taking it with me. I also borrowed uh, a plug before the show. Yes, a charger. A, a Do charge. you need to find a place to plug it in? No, I'm going to give it back to the owner of it when she comes up and plays later on on stage. Oh, I see. I borrowed it, yeah. yeah. Now, this look. This is like a women's institute meeting. Now. <laughs> um, I'm going to... Look, I was listening to Deb, and Deb's been trying to whip you up into a frenzy, and you are still very tepid. Now, <laughs> Deb is very kind and gentle, and we will be supportive and say, you're doing a great job. I'm going to tell you, you haven't been doing a great job, and I really need you to go nuts, um, mostly because I have a very big ego, very low self-esteem, a powerful combination. Um, so, if All the great divas have that flick. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I, so Judy I Garland, do... Liberace, it's a, it's a very common theme. I love that you've put Liberace in the diva. That was a, in the diva oh, yeah. category. Yeah, Absolutely. big ego, low self-esteem, a hundy P. Hundy? A hundy P. We discussed this last time we were on the podcast, actually. Um, when Deb uses very modern language, it delights and jars with me in a way that is just... It feels so wrong but so right when you say hundy P. Hundy P. Yes, absolutely. Any other slang? Anyone? What's current slang? Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Let's 100% do okay. this. Has anybody got any contemporary young people slang that they could share with me? The fact that she calls it contemporary young people slang. <laughs> yes. That's the giveaway. So last time we talked about um, the phrase, that slaps. Um, and it's, yes. it's that your plosives are so clear. I think that's what the problem is. That but slaps. That, does, that does slap. I've been saying that since. It does slap, actually. That does that's, actually that is the Consensus. That um, has slapped, that, that will slap. <laughs> that will slap in the future. Absolutely. Okay, so do we have any um, modern young people contemporary? Yes. Uh, Lang. Lang. What does that mean? And could you use it in a sentence? <laughs> what part of speech is it? Uh, she is Lang. She is Lang. But what am I saying? I could be saying something terrible up there. I might get cancelled. It's what good. It? It's, I think it's, it was Peng. Oh, it's it's, oh. it's had a glow up. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone from peng to leng. Yeah, I love I think that. That's what it is. I, isn't that the thing about like language changes? And sometimes you just start fucking saying it, and you don't know what you're saying, but you just hope someone goes, "That's not it." That's all being like twenty and being in your teens is. I need you to laugh more than you are. I really <laughs> genuinely need you to commit to the fact that this is a live show, uh, that we're not, you're not at home on, in your underpants it's... on Zoom eating cereal. Okay, so grow up and <laughs> I, we need you to laugh more. Okay, so we've okay. got Leng. Can we have Leng um, in a sentence? Yes, I've looked it up. Um, it says... Uh, Perfect. Definition is very attractive, a synonym of peng. And uh, the example sentence is, damn, that boy is Leng. Um, and then underneath, uh, it asks a question, is Leng better than Peng? And it says a Leng... A good follow-up question. Yes. And it says Leng is slightly stronger than Peng, but they mean the same thing. <laughs> so that has answered your question. So I can say, damn, that boy is Leng. And what I mean is that boy is attractive. Yes. Or... Um, you were looking terribly lang this evening. I think terribly helped it. Mm. I think that really like eased it into 2021, didn't it? Mm. Uh, what else have we got? Yeet. 
Uh, yeet! Yes, please. What the fuck does yeet mean? Uh, I yeet, you yeet, we, we all yeet. To throw something. To throw something? Yeet across the stage. Is that a Scottish term or is it? It sounds Scottish, doesn't it? <laughs> Give it yeet. Um, is that is that consensus? Are we, is that that is? Yes. Okay. All right. When did that happen? When did yeet happen? Two years ago. Two years ago. Oh, we've got the inventor in. <laughs> I, I feel I'm more cutting edge than that. You um, think you're more cutting edge than two, two years, years ago? ago? Yes. I, I mean, do. the most it, cutting edge thing about your outfit is your lanyard, Deb. Come on. Okay. All right. Uh, it says here, yeet is an exclamation of excitement, approval, surprise, or all-round energy, often as issued when doing a dance move or throwing something. Um, when, does throwing something include shapes? <laughs> like, can you yeet a dance move? No, I mean, there's, there's tension here. I think we're going to have an uh, argument about whether you can yes, it's yeet here, a karate just... chop on the dance floor. <laughs> Fuck you. I don't, I don't need your approval. I'm gone, mate. Interestingly, this is connected to a new dance, a new weird dance thing on Vine called Hashtag Yeet. On Vine? Oh, on Vine. I think Vine's... Gone. Vine's gone. It is Rest a, in peace, it Vine. It's a phenomenon that was started back in February 2014. Oh, a simpler time. But it didn't really pick up until a kid who goes by the name Little Meatball <laughs> posted a video claiming he can do it better than Little Terrio. Little Meatball is a 13-year-old from Dallas, Texas. Now, that's in 2015, so that's outdated. Now, he's a 22-year-old regretting all his life. He's... He? <laughs> He's probably he's, called he, Big Old Meatball. Now he's called Spaghetti Bolognese. He's, <laughs> he graduated, God bless him. <laughs> uh, he runs TikTok. That's, that's, he probably fucking owns TikTok. He probably yeah. started it from his bedroom, the little cunt. And, he's, <laughs> and he wants people to call him Dave, oh, but behind their back, they still God. call him Little Meatball. Do you know what? Do you know what, Flick? Do you know what? Do I don't. Do you know what? I went to... It was when the in the days where we had, you know... Constant, constant festivals. Um, I mean, we're, we're at a festival now, I shouldn't complain. Uh, but um, it was the rain dance, so it's sort of like Sundance, but London or Sundance or something, something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Point is, it was a film Details, festival. not important at all, apparently. It was we're a- somewhere something was happening. It was in, it was in, now at the O2, there was a festival going on, film festival going on, and they'd got the CEO of Kickstarter to come in, and even as I say this, I'm becoming more Marjorie Ledbetter from, um, Margot Ledbetter from, uh, from... Um, Details, a show, you. you know. <laughs> from The Good Life. They said there's like a seminar from the chap who started Kickstarter. Chap, so chap means old person, just by the way. <laughs> well, he wasn't, though. He wasn't oh. an old person. When the CEO, the CEO Ugh. of Kickstarter came in to teach us all how to beg people for money so we could make our movies he looked and was dressed exactly like Ferris Bueller (laughs) and when he asked for questions my question was does your mother know where you are (laughs) and he laughed because he said and I said you just look exactly like Ferris Bueller he said I'm aware but I started Kickstarter and he was a child and he was the C 
yeah. O. O. Yeah, O. <laughs> that will often happen at the end. Starter. And I saw a child over the lockdown had made £250,000 on non-fungible art or something, mm. some series of words mm. I don't understand and don't wish to. I, this generation... They know how to make fucking money, mate. Working the system in a way that I find disturbing, but also let me in. Yeah, please. <laughs> May we ride your coattails. We are old and withered and poor. (laughs) And we cannot possibly do TikTok dances without a child also being in frame. (laughs) Otherwise, we are just sad. It's okay if you do it with your kid because then the kid's like, how embarrassing but cute. Also, I brought my mum. My son is not quite two and so TikTok's just like, you know, at least six months away for him. (laughs) Uh, Have we got one more? He could Uh, probably be an Instagram influencer by the time he's five if you play your cards right. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, it's the new child star and you don't even have to drive them to auditions and things. You can have your own little Macaulay Culkin at home. That, that. Macaulay Culkin was an actor in the 90s. Uh, That's your kitchen table business right there. Yeah. You get that little baby saying cute words and also doing little ads for, I don't know, what do babies do ads for? Skin cream. And nappy rash cream or something. Nappy cream, yeah. And they'll start sending you products and soon he'll be so influential, he'll be sent deals and then you'll just be wealthy and lazy. Yeah. I mean, I would like to say that I'm halfway there. Um... I wouldn't say this if you had a girl child, only because feminism. (laughs) But I think with a boy child, not to impose gender upon your child, but I think with a boy child get that money <laughs> get that sweet it's just sweet not cash. the worst idea I've had that's all I'm not saying yeah. it's ethical or right or feminist but I'm saying it's not the worst idea I've had this week no no not at all and I would definitely do it but my husband would not let me he won't because know. he's a man you know yeah, yeah. he won't so. know do it do it when he's not there he's not gonna know is he gonna be following your child's account he won't know that it exists it's going to be fine. I don't think that's how you breed trust in a marriage, Deb, but I appreciate it. I appreciate Do that. you want trust or do you want a trust fund? I want a trust fund. You're absolutely right. Um, okay. Should we uh, get one more word? One more word. One, one more, more word. word. Yes? The flip. The flip. Oh, okay. I'm interested Ooh. in that. I don't know what, it's go- what, what Go Google's on. going to yield. It's instant and it's a lot on TikTok, so it's people being like, Oh, and then, like, head down and then come up and it's like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> the flip. Okay. Okay. So there's... And is there a fair bit of that on, like, drag TikTok and stuff like that? Not so much... Not, not, so much drag. not just... Just with NBs and... Women who love women thirst traps. <laughs> women who love women what? 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 Um, <laughs> just before you answer Deb's question, what like what handles would you be following if you? I just you know for the kids. Um, <laughs> I found an article here in Good Housekeeping. <laughs> it asked the question: What is the flip the switch challenge on TikTok? The Flip the Switch Challenge originated on the social networking app TikTok. Really, this is really good housekeeping, isn't it? On the social networking 
Is this the most mum thing ever? Okay, when she goes, no, 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 I've got to read you something. She goes, okay. So good housekeeping. Oh, no, it's not this bit. All right, what is it? And we go, oh, no, no. Okay, here it is. Here it is. Okay. So flip the... And she'll start reading. Oh, no, 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 I've got it. I've got it. I've got... Oh, no, it's not this bit. Hang on. It's scrolling down. Hang on. Can you read this for me? Just to be clear, this is what happens. All right, so if anyone would like to do this, I'm going to read you the instructions. Okay. Set to the 2018 track non-stop. The viral video challenge involves two people standing in front of a mirror. One person stands closest to the mirror. Should be closer. Thank you, good housekeeping. Uh, We're comparing two things. It's closer, not closest. Um, Holding still while recording the video on their phone. Meanwhile, in the background, the other individual dances to the music until Drake sings the opening lyric. Look, I just flipped a switch. (laughs) Flipped, flipped. This cue prompts the room's light switch to be turned off and on, only to reveal that the two participants swapped outfits and positions during the transition. Oh. So that's how it started, but now it's just the flip. It's also had a glow up. It's like more Leng than Peng. I'm struggling. I'm struggling so badly. But I did do a middle part for you, young fucks. I... There's something glorious about swearing at children in a, in a loving way. It's an affectionate turn, you young fucks. The second time it sounded mean, didn't it? No. I've tried... The, the issue is I've had a grey streak since I was 20 or about 25. It's not really got much bigger than this, but it makes me look like I've cut a photo in half and then haven't put them back together in the right spots. So they're just... Yeah. I do need you to laugh more than this for the rest of the show. I absolutely have not been lying at any point when I've said that. Have we got people upstairs? No, great. I'd just like to highlight the emptiness, you know, because if... I don't want you to feel comfortable and secure and relaxed. The spaces are where the Delta variant are allowed to sit, Okay. (laughs) The spaces between us is where Delta is allowed to go. If we're all packed in too tightly, apparently we're going to give each other... Hard things. Um, okay. Excuse me. Um, the, also, you know, music is really about the silence. So that's what we are mm-hmm. is a beautiful piece of music. Okay. So on this, uh, the, the the people watching at home uh, have been commenting. One said, "What does yeet mean?" The other said, "To throw out the window." I think. And then somebody else says, I don't think I could pull that off, lol. And do they actually mean throwing something? Maybe they've just got really weak arms. Yeah. And they can't throw anything out of the window. It's not actually about the phrase. Yes, absolutely. No, that was funny. You keep fucking it up, okay? Do you want to hear some stand-up comedy? Oh, Now, look, the thing is, we've all, we, we have kind of touched on what I was going to do for stand-up because I have done this show very many times and I have used all of my stand-up. I've, it's all gone. It's all gone on this show. All of my new jokes I've ever written, they're all, I've always done them on this show first and then I'll write them and make them better and then it's like six, you know, two months later, I'm like, oh, I'll do stand-up again on The Guilty Feminist and then I listen back to the last episode and go... Oh, I've already done that. So I was listening to the last two episodes. There's nothing left. I'm, I'm dry. So, I mean, 
It's very easy. This is a family show. It's not. Um, so I, thought I, I hope just, it's not. I hope it's not. I tell you what, though, I am getting a bit of a wedge at the front. That is, that is one of the perils of having a little gut, is uh, it pulls things forward. And, uh, <laughs> and so you find yourself doing this. Um, <laughs> Bit of that, bit of that down the street. So um, I thought I would do something very lazy and just see if anyone had any questions. And we just, you just ask me questions for five minutes and I'll answer them. I'll come up with something funny, I promise. Any questions for Felicity Ward, please? Oh, someone said, I so wish I could go. I've got a two-year-old who's been listening since in the womb, but she's not quite audience material yet. I'm working on it. Well, work faster, Kai. I'm joking. Do, does anyone have any questions? Yeah. Oh, sick. Yes. Do you feel different or like people look at you differently now that you've done a middle parting? Do I feel different or do I? I that is such a great question. Um, for the people at the back, she said, do you feel different or do people look at you different now that you've done a middle parting? I just... Great feminist question, Gap. A great, great feminist, feminist question. question. I thought you were going to say, since you had a baby and your body's changed. And you said middle parting. What an innocent life. Imagine how much tragedy she has, still has to face that that's her question. I, look, I grew up in the 90s, so I had always had a middle part. And when I had to make the transition to the side part, I felt like I was walking around with underpants on my tits. Like it just... I was like, people are going to notice. Why is it off to the side? Um, I've got a hat on so it makes it easier. But because I have wild, wild hair, it doesn't... It looks, it's, it looks quite slicked down, and that's my little secret. Oil. Um, I haven't washed it. It's very unsure showered. I actually have curly hair. You would not believe it. It's that dirty. Um, So I'll show you what it's like when I take it out. It might actually stay down a little bit. I don't think it's going to. No, it's not. So this is what a middle part looks like. Yeah? And no amount of hair drying or mousse or product can help this. Yeah? It looks like a mistake. Um, I did... It's, re- it's, it's actually lovely. I mean, I love I, my hair, but it's, it's not meant for this world in the middle part. You know what I'm saying? Can like we have, have another question, please? I haven't finished, actually, about oh, my sorry. hair. Oh, sorry. I'm just trying to keep the it rolling because I'm getting looks from the producer. Oh, yeah, from Tom. Okay, okay. Does anyone else have any uh, very important questions about my hair? Or, or feminism. Or feminism. Or, or just feminism. Sorry, everyone. I just went a little bit Kiwi for a second there. Or, or you can't tell the difference between an Australian and Kiwi accent. You're animals. Yeah. Um, this is a bit more of a profound question than your middle part. Thank you. <laughs> no, I love that question. Don't you dare apologise no, for that. We love the question. We love the question. That's a question of hope. But what advice would you give to your younger self? Um, okay. First, don't shave your armpits. Waste of time, mate. <laughs> you really, I'm just, it, I, when you are young, you think that whatever other people, this is me, I can't talk for other people, I, and new generations are so much more progressive and so much more radical and, uh, you know, and, and fluid and progressive, and I think you're great. Um, I thought that I should shave my armpits because, well, one, my sister used to sing In Comes Mrs. Hairy Legs, but... <laughs> 
Uh, I had like, you know, four hairs under my armpits and I was like, I should shave. And then when I was 18, I stopped. And that was very good. I did, anyway, that's beside the point. That's not what I would say to myself. I just smelt my armpits and it gave me a thought. Um, what does it smell like? A farm animal. I, that is the downside of putting on a lot of weight is my sweat doesn't smell like a bit tangy anymore. It's like, you need a fourth shower. That was... Um, so the advice I would give to my younger self is, uh, one... Uh, you don't think you're very pretty and so you'll work on your personality and that is a fucking great thing to do. Make, be as interesting as you can when you're young because that will just make you a, such a cooler adult, genuinely. I had very bucky teeth. I had a very big nose for a young person. I was very skinny. I had no boobs. So all of the, like, all, any of the, like, teenage girls' sex tools, I didn't have. I didn't have... Sex tools as in I didn't know how to wear short skirts. I didn't know how to flirt. I didn't know how to play with my hair. I thought the way that you get boys interested is by being very competitive and beating them. And, <laughs> but you also be really good friends and slam them all the time and they'll probably want to jump your bones. Did not work out very well. So I, um, I started writing music when I was like 14. My sister learned guitar, so she taught me a couple of chords. So I just used to write and write and write and I was in a band. Uh, I learned Japanese at school. Um, I lived in a, a national park so I, I, you know, I would do bushwalks and stuff like that and it's just made me such a better, cooler adult and travel as soon as the world opens up again, obviously you can't do that now but if you are, if you think that you're doing something weird and you really like it but other people don't, please still keep doing it because when you get older people will go, oh my God, do you do that? Dot, 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 dot. And I would... Um, Oh, I would also say, oh, go to therapy very young. Um, please go to therapy young. If, okay, this is something that I will say. If you had any kind of dysfunction in your childhood, please go and see therapists every couple of years. If, you, if the therapist you find is not for you and you go, I'm fine, go try another, you know, another couple of years because it might just be the therapist that you saw. Because you get to your 20s and you go, oh, I think my childhood was okay. It was a bit weird, but I'm fine. And then you get to your 30s and you go, oh, I find everything hard and I don't know why and I'm repeating the same cycles in my platonic and intimate relationships and also at work. And why? And then you get to your 40s and you go, oh, it's because of my fucking childhood. Are you kidding? Are you kidding? It's your childhood. I'm so sorry. It is... The best thing I ever heard, it was when I was pregnant, I did a, a run-through for a TV show and I was speaking to a producer and um, he said he saved up all this money for his kid and on his 21st birthday he gave him thousands of pounds and said, we did our best, we know we fucked it up somehow, please go and get some therapy. <gasps> what a gift, what foresight. Because when you're a parent you don't know the damage that you're doing necessarily, even if you're trying your hardest. So please get therapy as young as you can, and then you won't pass it on to the next generation. Felicity Ward, everybody! And will you welcome to the stage the stand-up of Deborah Francis White! (laughs) 
can I endorse everything Flick said about therapy? What I've learned in the last six months, I'm like, oh my God, everything would have been different forever. Forever. Oh, so stupid. I always was like, I don't really get it. Mm, no. Okay, so this is something I wrote themed on today's theme of hags. I want to be a hag. Deep down inside of me, well beneath the womanhood is a hungry, libidinous, angry, playful, childlike, frightened human being. This is all true, by the way. I wrote this really fast while listening to someone else's conversation so I couldn't censor out the worst bits of myself. Under the liquid eyeliner and form-fitting underwear and sitting politely with my legs crossed and pretending to be interested in what a man is saying about the way he extorts more money than he needs from a rig system and is now buying a four-bedroom house in Hove that he will only visit on weekends is a rage against his machine. I feel lonely and ugly and isolated but also powerful and a force of creation at one with the earth like I am Mother Nature herself and yet my womb is barren. Some of my friends who struggle to have babies have pushed forward with science and repetition and are now with child or with push chairs and have left me in my babylessness alone. What if the only true connection that exists is that between womb bearer and womb inhabitant and I have left my womb empty where my one true love should have lived? What if I'd had a baby and had seen it as a drooling ugly parasite and left it at a bus stop (laughs) what if I am a monster incapable of the kind of selfless relentless nurturing that wonderful mothers do and that is the real reason I didn't push hard enough to get a baby out of me I don't want to imply there was one inside and I just didn't push at the nine month (laughs) point and just went I pushed a bit and it was really hard so I just crossed my legs I don't want to imply that that's not what happened What What if I should have had more sex, joined a band at the age of 17 and gone on the road fucking my way through hard cocks and wet vaginas, finding lusty animal satisfaction deep inside myself, penetrating and being penetrated. Sorry, Dave. (laughs) Maybe the only real connection is deep inside the human body, screwing and banging and grunting in the velvet dark and blinking light. I've never had sex on the beach, the act or the cocktail. (laughs) I've never tried heroin. Maybe the oblivion is the real human truth, the revelations of ayahuasca that allows the human body to vomit out its anxieties and just be and breathe and be and breathe and be and breathe and breathe and be. And maybe that is the place where womanhood can be shed for humanhood. Maybe power is the only true connection, the connection between the submissive and the dominant. Maybe I should have grasped for influence and money and played the patriarchy to its own grubby game, forcing it under my sharp stiletto heel, buying up big city offices and converting them into large luxury flats for women and children and displaced men relinquishing square footage to those who deserve it like a reclamation of space and currency because if we cannot beat them maybe we should join them and then beat them maybe the only true connection in history has been known to those witches who have covened together to burn it to the ground every time I try to burn it to the ground I find my hair is on fire and it stands teflon and jeering while I try and put myself out But perhaps my inner barren, hungry, lustful, power-grabbing, generous hag needs to find a hag inside all of you and together we will roar with humanity beneath our womanhood and share the matches and release the need to be good and small and pretty and well-behaved and interested and hag it up right nice. (laughs) Screaming at the moon. And that will be the squeal and orgasmic connection we will feel before the end of it all. Thank you.
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Our guest today is a playwright and theatre facilitator based in North Wales. Her Welsh language podcast. Gorachod. <laughs> Don't laugh. It took me ages to learn how to say it, and I've done it really well. Invites, invites outspoken Welsh women to talk about the challenges they faced and overcome, and how they celebrate the things that the patriarchy deems to be witch-like. Please welcome to the stage, Mariella Jones! <laughs> Ellen Jones, how are you? I'm good. I feel like I've let everyone down because I didn't come in via broomstick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it is sort of what we were hoping for, but I, they wouldn't I... clap anyway, to be honest. <laughs> we could have had you come down from the ceiling, defying gravity. That would have been like a dream come true. Today, also, I just want to say, today is Beyonce's birthday, and that would have been a Beyonce-like thing to happen. I can't believe we have not acknowledged Beyonce's birthday. The Queen herself. The On the guilty feminist. Happy birthday, dear Queen Bey. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Bow Um, down, bitches. (laughs) Beyonce was an artist from the early... Um, So, Mari, I met you at the British Podcast Awards um, where I was presenting an award and uh, I won one last year uh, and you were a great big throbbing winner for your Welsh language podcast. Please tell us more. Yeah, so I got silver. I got the silver award for uh, my Welsh language podcast called Grachod Heddiw. All together, one, two, three. Grachod Heddiw, it's a podcast... I'll translate it for you. Grachod Hedio means witches of today. And it's a podcast where I invite women on to see what makes them similar to conventional witches. Um, Mine would be the hat, obviously. We'd start there. Definitely. And And my broomstick hair. uh, Yes. um, What you were saying earlier about you not having um, any work done and and embracing yourself, I think that's a very witch-like trait. Stop it. (laughs) Thank you. I don't even like cats. Shut up. I do. I've got three. You've got three cats. Yeah. And a cauldron. Very surprising. She loves Macbeth. <laughs> Shakespeare was a writer from... I can't believe you've said the Scottish play in a theatre. Oh, my gosh. Well, it's been lovely knowing you all, and they're going to burn me at the stake. <laughs> so, this podcast, what's it really about? Is it about the history of Welsh witches uh, in and how women... No, I'm just going to say, what's it about? Because I, I sort of know, but I'm going to let you answer, because we'll edit this bit out. Um, oh sorry okay Murray what's your podcast about (laughs) don't laugh we can't edit that in people are going to think you're mocking her oh now you laugh now Now you laugh laugh. okay okay all right so I'm going to say what's it about and you're just going to shh I know you're going to want to laugh now because now it's become this repetitive game but you're going to hold it together okay just shh grow up ready so Murray what's it about 
Um, so, it's a podcast. <laughs> and that's all we have time for. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, it's a podcast about... Uh, it can be about witches, like, the history of witches, but it's also a bit... I got obsessed with the idea of who these women were that were um, punished in the 16th century and why they were punished because I thought hold on what does a witch hunt mean what was the witch craze and why were people so obsessed with blaming women when things went wrong Um, what's new (laughs) (laughs) and I was just intrigued to see who, who would be these women today and my friend texted me during lockdown asking me how I was and I'm completely honest with her so I was like oh do you know what I'm not okay it's a full moon and I'm just all over the place and she just texted me back saying well that's why you're such a fucking amazing witch and I I started thinking oh am I a witch and uh, what makes a woman a witch and so the idea grew from there and I just text women saying, hey, I think you might be a witch. (laughs) A very chill thing to do. A very lockdown thing to do, to be fair. So you text a woman, I think you might be a witch, and then if she replies, correctly spotted, she gets to come on the podcast. Yeah, they love it. (laughs) Those witches love it. Like Welsh people, I think we've got like a natural obsession with uh, magical uh, folklore, and it's it's just a part of our heritage. It's so uh, yeah, we've grown up with it. Basically, it was taught to us as history almost. <laughs> I love that. Oh, it's, it's amazing. We like our Welsh literature when we were growing up. We had Drala Rutins, which was this... Loved uh, it. Oh, it, it. Loved it. Drala Rutins was this, like, iconic witch character. I read her to my children now. And the author, Anghara Thomas, created this magical world where the witches were the wise ones and the men were the, like, idiots. And where would they get those ideas? Where... <laughs> I mean, it's folklore, so I suppose we could stretch. Well, this, this, was, this was our children's literature, so this is what we would read at school, like, when we were four years old, five years old. This is what we were taught, and it was just incredible. And I think my friends and the women I've encountered in Wales are so obsessed with this idea of being a witch and having, like, this magical history, a part of our, like... Imagine their WhatsApp group chats. Imagine. <laughs> like, I wish I had more witch, witch chat on my WhatsApp. We like, can start a witch chat. It won't be in Welsh, though. Well, what's the point? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not into crystals or astrology or anything like that, and I don't, I'm not even that into witches, but I love that it's just part and parcel of you and your upbringing and where you grew up, that everyone's like, yeah, witches. Why, what, don't you believe in that? And I think that the reason this so chimes with feminism is that witches, I think, really were women who were in tune with the earth and their community, who were wise, who 
you know, probably knew things about certain plants and uh, the healing properties. Women who were unmarried, uncontrolled by men outside the patriarchal forces who were defiant, uh, who were not going to play along with exactly what they were told to do. And that's why we feel, I think, such a kinship with them because really we all aspire to be witches in some way or another, to be outside that dominant force. And so I love that that's in the culture and who knows what else there was or there wasn't but certainly there was those things what are the most interesting things you've learned on the podcast uh, like the girls who come on they're fantastic so um i did one with uh, the welsh author Bethanguanas, um and she writes popular novels in the welsh language and uh, a lot of them about women and and um, female characters and she came on the podcast and she was talking about... She went on a foraging for fungi course uh, where she had to discover... Very standard. <laughs> but she was, so good. And it was, she went on a foraging for fungi course uh, to find out what the different mushrooms were. And then she had this knowledge and she said she had a close encounter with a man once where he uh, started shouting aggressively in her face... And she couldn't do anything about it, um, so she just stood there. And she said there was one mushroom um, called the... Oh, this might be bad. I might not be... I'm going to no, say it. I'm going to say it's it. Fine. It's it's no, fine. say it, mate. She said... I uh, ca- the tension in this room <laughs> of what you're about to say, what did she do with the mushroom? <laughs> well, there's a mushroom called the Evangel... Does that make sense? Evangeline... Angel. Avenging angel? Yes. And it's a very, it's like a pure white mushroom. And she said it it can kill you. That mushroom can kill you if you eat it. (laughs) And she said, while this man was shouting at her, she was like, I'm not going to shout back. I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to kill you in my next novel. And you're going to eat the mushroom in my next (gasps) novel. And that's how she didn't react because she was thinking, that's what I'm going to do. She was thinking, I'll put you as a character in my next novel and you're going to eat the avenging angel mushroom. Yep. Did she do that? No, because her character ended up... (laughs) Well, she was writing a book about a witch and her her witch ended up being a nice witch. So she forgave her the book. But interestingly, she used it at that time as armour. She thought about a fictional thing that could happen to him. Mm. And that meant that she didn't have to actually feed him a poisonous mushroom in real life. Yep. To say, those are good. Um. (laughs) What do you think typifies a witch? And what makes you think that you're a witch or that your friend is a witch that you texted and you're still friends? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it doesn't... They don't necessarily have to have, like, a spiritual, like they don't have to be a spiritual person or anything like that. It's more to do with how they are and what they represent. So uh, for me, it felt like there wasn't enough being done in the media with Welsh feminism and especially in the Welsh language. And I was like, I'm not going to moan about it. I'm going to do something about it. Yes. So I started this podcast and it started off just inviting friends and then people started listening to it and now I'm talking to more people from different backgrounds because I think it's important that we hear everybody's perspective in society especially in the Welsh language because the Welsh language is for everyone 
and everyone should be included in the narrative. So I think it's important if in the narrative of Welsh language feminism, we should be including everyone. So I've had um, recently, I was interviewing a 15-year-old girl who was um, Muslim and was speaking Welsh and she'd just written a novel in Welsh. All right, mate. Like, <laughs> but what made her witch-like was the fact that she could stand up for herself at 15 and yeah. she was very aware of what was going on in the world and she was telling me she was having difficult conversations with her friends at school because she had to. Is she doing classes or...? <laughs> she was just absolutely brilliant and I think what makes a witch is being comfortable in yourself and um, Mara Starling, she's just been on the podcast, uh, she is a full-on witch. She lives in Chester, she's originally from Sirvon and she practices witchcraft um, she does tarot readings and she can like speak to the other side. So she's brilliant. She's absolutely brilliant. But she, she, she defined it as a woman who stands in her own power. Mm. Yes. That's what I was trying to write in my um, monologue. The things that I've been thinking recently about the humanity inside the womanhood. And I think sometimes if you've got an identity that in some way or another is othered or marginalised in society, you have to keep living through that identity. Like there's only really two choices with womanhood. One is conform or the other is... Uh, fight what's imposed upon you and both of those are exhausting and deep down inside of me there is I know a libidinous hungry lonely happy playful human but often that's obscured and then god knows you know if you have other layers to your identity that are more marginalized you know every time you've got one of those it's this another exhausting struggle and you don't another day that you don't really truly get to be fully human and so I love this idea because I think there's something about witchery and these women who can stand up for themselves and stand in their power that says, I am human first. And that's what excites me about it. And putting yourself first. I think as women, we tend to like put everyone else in front of us. I think, for example, I got pregnant when I was 23. I had my kids and I sacrificed my career essentially and took care of the kids for the past four years and during lockdown I sort of started thinking to myself because I I'd lost lots of work because I was a freelance uh, theatre worker I sort of thought to myself I have to start putting myself first and doing something I am passionate about and by doing the podcast I think it's made me more of a witch in the fact that I am starting to realise my own power and that I'm starting to own myself again mm. and not, I'm putting myself first. Like, I've come on a trip to London by myself without the kids and it's flipping amazing. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to hear this. And also, I think we don't often... I'm pleased that the British Podcast Awards are awarding Welsh language podcasts uh, and that we are set, we are, you know, that, that Welsh language needs to be centred more. And to your story about the young Muslim woman who was writing the book, I saw something not long ago, I think it was on Twitter, that there was a, a woman with a headscarf talking to her child on a bus and a man mm. said, you're in Britain, speak English. And a Welsh person went, you're in Wales, she's speaking Welsh. Yeah. <laughs> and... That man obviously was like, oh, uh, and I think the fact that he didn't even know that was Welsh and he was in Wales, I'm like, my God, like we've, 
I love I love the fight for Welsh. Yeah, there's I think there's a massive like misunderstanding about the Welsh language. Welsh is my first language. I'm speaking to an English now and I am like frantically translating in my head as I go along and I'm like I'm going to say the wrong word for the wrong thing. It's the language I've lived in. It's the language my parents raised me in. It's the language I'm raising my children in. It's the language I had my education in. And it's the language I speak to my friends and my partner. It's a language that's thriving at the moment through the media, through podcasts, through TV, through radio, through online digital content, like on, um, you know, those like Instagram videos and stuff. But it's... it's it's the, the mime actually really yeah. helped, to be honest. <laughs> you scrolling through your phone, I'm like, I'm with you. It's great for a podcast, miming that you're on your phone. You know, but your YouTube, your Instagram, it meant social <laughs> yeah. media. We got yeah. it. All of that stuff. We All your TikToks, it. your Welsh TikToks. Well, it's, it's a language that's, that is thriving and more and more people are learning the language. And people tend to think that it only old people speak it or it's just the something that is spoken in schools but it's a way of life i don't know anything else except for being a welsh speaking person that is who i am my first language is welsh and there's like a very uh, we live with a very difficult past with language because people in the 1847 there was a very horrible um the reports of the Blue Books, the treachery of the Blue Books, we call them, where a man called William Williams, who was an MP in Coventry, persuaded the government that they needed to make a report on the state of education in Wales. And what they said in this report, they hired three reporters who were all English-speaking, only English-speaking men, and they went around the schools and they wrote these uh, reports in these blue books and they said that the Welsh language was making the Welsh people backwards, that it was making us... Are you telling me that English people (laughs) went into another country (laughs) and said that there might be it. That just doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. Historically, doesn't, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It, Coming from Australia, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I feel like England should be more ashamed of that history, but everyone's too busy being ashamed of colonialism everywhere. Um, it's not that they should be ashamed. It's just that well, they should. <laughs> we should. I wasn't taught this in school. I discovered this while I was in university. This is not while you're on mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a part of the Welsh curriculum, and I think we don't get to learn enough of our own history. We have to discover it through ourselves and through our parents, rather than it being taught to us. And I think more people should be aware of why there's tension between the Welsh language. I mean, it's exactly the same in Australia. We study, you know, the fact that we call British people settlers in history, not invaders, not rapists or colonisers or, you know... That um, so a, a lot of First Nations Australians and Aboriginal languages, uh, they're they're oral. They're all told. None of it is written down. And so just hundreds of languages are dead. Just hundreds of languages and dialects in Australia are dead and will never ever be brought back to life 
because of the, exactly the same thing where they came to Australia, they literally stole children from um, Aboriginal families, they stole land and they were forbidden to, you know, speak in their own language, to do any of their own traditional practices. It was a, you know, it was slightly larger scale um, and, and it, but I mean, it's, they're very good at it, to be fair. The English are very good at it. They've done it many times. and uh, Excellent at colonising. Excellent. Can't, you can't mark Top down shelf. on that. Um, well, listen, is there any way that we, and there may not be, uh, there may be no access to any kind of transcriptions of your podcast in English because I don't, and I'm sorry to say this, speak any Welsh at all. Lazy. Except Quitch, Quitch and Cariad, which is... Quitch, yeah, Quitch. Yeah, quitch yeah. Like, like to kiss or hug? Hug. Uh, hug. Yeah. And Cariad meaning love. Yeah. Yeah, except I'm pronouncing it wrongly, I'm sure. So is there any way we can access your podcast if we don't speak Welsh? Um, if you don't speak Welsh, no. But uh, <laughs> uh, I might try and do a bilingual series. <gasps> Yes, we would love that. Would anybody listen if there was the odd English language episode or something bilingual? They love you. Yes, so get your numbers up by selling out and doing it in English (laughs) for the Guilty Feminist listeners who, let's be honest, are not going to be asked to learn Welsh and we're really sorry in advance, but uh, not well enough to listen to your whole podcast and understand the jokes, let's be honest. But I will try and learn a little bit of Welsh so that next time I go to Wales, I can say something to the audience. I might get a little tutorial from you. Everybody, Mariella Jones! out, we have a violinist and composer who works across science, space, poetry, dance, film and art and hags and witchery. Her solo album Sea Souls is a dear diary told through the sea. Could it get any witchier? Each piece inspired by how the sea and the weather reflected the turbulent emotions of 2020. Please welcome Anna Phoebe!
So I'm, um, I'm someone who has panic attacks when I try and meditate. But for me, the sea is like the source of meditation and comfort. And I'm a secret crystal keeper. And when I get drunk, I like to pull an old tarot card out of the pack. So I feel like I'm a secret hag. <laughs> drunk, drunk and tarot is surely a podcast waiting to happen. I feel like I admit to too many things when I'm on this podcast. It happens to the, to the best of us and the worst of us. I'm looking at you, Felicity Ward. I was actually just meditating during... I was listening to you, and so I, I didn't actually hear what's just been going on. I've just been, like, chilling out. I, I, video, I videoed some of it and then put it on Instagram and then thought, what am I doing? Why am I putting this on Instagram right now? I tried to, wanted to give people, oh, this is what's happening right now, and then I thought, just meditate, so I just closed my eyes, and then you finished. Uh, no, we, we've, I've got another piece for you. But okay. so, so that one, so I do literally have panic attacks when I try meditating, but I live in Kent on the, Deal, on the Kent coast in Deal, and during lockdown, I was asked, like, as a touring musician, what's it like, you know, not being able to tour? And I was like, I didn't have any words for it. So that's how this album started, was just by sitting and listening to the sea and this weird relationship and obsession where, like, I would see my emotions reflected in the sea and then I would feel like it was talking back at me. And so that piece you just heard is called By the Sea, and that was, like, the first piece. And then I'm going to play something a bit more uplifting together with Clara. And this is um, Horizons. And it was just that kind of... So I've discovered my own meditation where, like, if you look at the horizon and you kind of breathe in until you reach the middle, hold the breath until the end, and then breathe out all the way, and then that's the only way that I can kind of, like, kind of get my breath back and be in the moment. And it's just the, the next one is called Horizons, and it's about the idea of relativity and feeling that you're at one and that there is hope in the future. So everyone, close your eyes. Close your eyes. (laughs) Anna Phoebe, everybody!
the Guilty Feminist Podcast with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Felicity Warren, and our very special guests, Mary Ellen Jones and Anna Phoebe. The Guilty Feminist theme tune was composed by Mark Hodge, produced by Nick Sheldon. The producer was Tom Zielinski for the Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Zoe, Rebecca, and everyone at King's Place, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. Very powerful speech, and then I have the microphone in the stand like a numpty. <laughs> and undermine them. <laughs> okay. All right. The Guilty Feminist is provided exclusively from Acast. Find it wherever you get your podcasts.